As a listener to Intelligent Medicine, you know that fish oil provides the vital omega-3s, EPA, and DHA that support your cardiovascular, brain, nerve, vision, immune system, joint, and skin health, as well as your inflammatory balance. My preferred fish oil brand is Vital Nutrients, offering a line of 11 ultra-pure omega-3 solutions, including soft gels, liquid, and enteric-coated options in a variety of potencies. Vital Nutrients even offers a high-performance and nutrient-dense vegan omega supplement option. Vital Nutrients' line of ultra-pure omega-3 solutions are held to the most rigorous quality standards in the industry, ensuring maximum freshness, purity, and potency. I use Vital Nutrients myself and recommend it to my patients. For more information and to order, call 888-328-9992. That's 888-328-9992. Or go to vitalnutrients.co. That's vitalnutrients.co for the Vital Nutrients line of ultra-pure omega-3 solutions. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, today with Dr. Jill Barron. She's uh, a physician here in New York who's got a great new book, Don't Mess With Stress. Uh, it's uh, a simple guide to managing stress, and uh, it's a useful, uh, handy compendium of ways that you can uh, address stress. And yeah, we don't really need that. Of course, everything is so mellow now in 2021, now that we've got 2020 in the rearview mirror, right? No biggie. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, clearly there's a lot of things that are challenging us in the coming year. Uh, and uh, Jill, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you're a physician. You've got a prescription pad. Um, what's your take on, on the use of anti-anxiety medications? Is there a place for them or are you in, unalterably opposed to them? I know that your book accentuates uh, lifestyle solutions, but what's what's the perspective on that? Yeah, well, like I said before, there's not just one way to help people. And for people who are really anxious, uh, who've tried everything and need anti-anxiety medicine, I think there's a place for it. I mean, there are risks uh, of addiction and also um, potentially dementia. I mean, long-standing mm-hmm. uh, for, with taking it for a long time. But I believe also in quality of life, and if people have tried all the natural things and it hasn't worked, I think that while a patient is hopefully in therapy and trying to work on these things, that if that would calm them down and help them function better, I think there's a place for it for them. Indeed. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about therapy because therapy, at least, is a non-pharmacological way of addressing stress. Uh, you talk in the book about a form of therapy that is particularly suitable for dealing with anxiety. And what that's uh, CBT. What does that stand for? Right. CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah, I speak about CBT and DBT. So CBT is called cognitive behavioral therapy, and what it what's it, what it's about is it takes people's if we if I may say this irrational thoughts or thoughts that may be irrational or anxiety thoughts mm-hmm. uh, they could be irrational, and what they do is they they challenge it with different thoughts, uh, try and replace them with different thoughts 
or challenge the assumptions to see if they're valid. Mm-hmm. So let's say a person, uh, let's say a person um, was uh, a medical student and was studying for an exam, and the medical student he or she failed the exam and was devastated. Now. There are a few ways that medical student could think. The medical student could think, I'm no good. I'll never become a doctor. Uh, how am I going to get through? Or a more healthy way of thinking about it would be, well, first to find out why he or she failed the test. Do they not prepare? Do they not get enough sleep? You know, do they not eat well? Different things. And then maybe kind of diagnose maybe why they didn't or if they they did do it, uh, did do the proper things, but it was for whatever reason they choked and they couldn't do it. Then another way what they could say is, okay, I failed this test. You know, what could I do better next time? What could I do better? I can get help. I can uh, maybe get some tutoring. Uh, maybe I'm not approaching this the right way. So they can replace these negative thoughts with thoughts that are more rational and more helpful to them so that it decreases the anxiety. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there's a word for uh, what happens to your thought processes when you're suffering from anxiety, and it's called uh, ca- catastrophizing. You know, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I, you know, I just dealt with a, a young patient um, who uh, came down with COVID, and she had a very mild case of it. She's very young. She's a young mom. Uh, and, you know, the whole family got it. But they had very mild symptoms. But um, she's doing a lot of reading about it. And what she's hearing is that even though she feels fine, you know, she's recovered fully, that uh, people can get strokes, you know, unbeknownst to them. Uh, weeks later, they can get a stroke. And so she's convinced that she is subject to uh, the possibility of of out of the blue, getting a stroke. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, so I've done a lot of re- reality checking with her uh, just to, you know, around that subject. But she tends to gravitate, like many people, like many of us, uh, virtually all anxieties uh, have a real basis that there is a possibility, right. however minute, that something or other bad could happen. So how do you kind of recalibrate that so that you take a more realistic approach to situations rather than always accentuating uh, the most dire possibilities? Well, I think what you have done with her, and I think is again to, to kind of have the person choose what I would call a more wise option. Now, and also I'm calling this, um, I'm taking this from what's called DBT. So if I may, DBT Mm -hmm. is an outgrowth of CBT. And DBT stands for Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. It was created by Dr. Marsha Linehan, a psychologist. Initially, it was for people who had what's called borderline personality disorders. But now it's being used in many different uh, cases, even for healthy people, mm-hmm. and it's divided into four categories emotional regulation, mindfulness, interpersonal effectiveness, and distress tolerance. And so, this is a, another example where, with this catastrophizing, you know, this person could challenge these thoughts and to try and soothe herself. Uh, and, and this is a, this, this, these techniques, these four modules, are designed to help people think better and act healthier 
and and uh, to try and be more rational. They have a, a thing called what she calls the wise mind, Dr. Linehan. And the wise mind is a combination of the rational mind and the emotional mind. So with your patient, she's the person is very emotional, very frightened, understandably. Mm-hmm. You know, there could be a risk, mm-hmm. maybe. And, and uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of scary inf- information that's amplified out there because, you know, if the headlines were, yeah, COVID isn't so bad, most people are fine, you know, I don't think people would spend that much time, uh, you know, clicking on stories uh, and watching the news apprehensively. <laughs> you know, exactly. there's a, there's a, there's exactly. a negative so, I mean, bias right. in, in the media, for sure. Exactly. And so, so I can understand this patient's fear. And if the patient just focuses on that, it could be really devastating and it could make her sick, you know, from all the stress. The thing is, is to try and to have some equanimity, you know, and to kind of have the rational mind. Well, so the rational mind, you know, would, would look at the facts and say, you know, these are the facts. These are the chances maybe of you getting a stroke. The emotional mind is that kind of, you know, kind of saying, oh, my God, you know, I'm, I'm very frightened. I'm going to get that. But the combination maybe is to kind of look at, you know, what would the what would a wise mind say? You know, how would a wise mind or how would your wise mind approach the situation? Or if you were someone's mother or sister, what would you, in a wise way, how would you calm that person down and to kind of reflect on about the stroke? To maybe so so some of the thoughts that might they might be that's a wise mind might be, you know, do the do the don't mess with stress, you know, do the basic things that are, are healthy for you. Get sleep, decrease your build up your immunity, decrease your risk of getting COVID. Um, take care of yourself, and that way you're empowering the patient, empowering yourself mm-hmm. to do good things for them. Maybe take certain supplements that you recommend that would empower them and, and make them increase their immunity. So that's that's what I would kind of focus on. So where does meditation fit into that? You're a big fan of meditation, you know, having started it uh, as a teenager and then having pursued it as a, as a lifelong uh, part of your routine. Uh, what, uh, you know, the concern is that people who are very anxious uh, might sit there, you know, uh, with their eyes closed and uh, a parade of, of very negative, fearful thoughts uh, might dance in front of their eyes. So is meditation... Uh, effective when you're suffering from anxiety? Can it be um, potentially uh, overwhelmed by your anxious state? That's another great question. And I think that if people are motivated and they follow the instruction of the, you know, there are different types of meditation, uh, mindfulness, which really focuses on, you know, the breath, and then uh, when you get these thoughts, you're supposed to shift your thoughts, I mean, your attention back to the breath. And it requires a discipline to kind of do that. And when you meditate, and I do transcendental meditation, uh, which is a mantra-based meditation, and similarly when uh, you start thinking the mantra in an effortless way, and then when you have thoughts all of a sudden, which could be scary thoughts or any kind of thoughts that don't make sense, you then very, very gently shift your attention back to the mantra. And so, but, and I think that by kind of following the instructions of the practice, whatever practice, whatever type of meditation it is, uh, will help you develop a discipline. And hopefully, as you do more and more meditation, which is incremental, 
will help you calm down and, and try and deal with these thoughts. But I think, look, there may be certain cases where people just are too jittery. Now, there are there are other types of meditation, for example, like a qigong or tai chi. Mm-hmm. Which These you also practice. Called, you're, you're a qigong yes. practitioner. And, yeah. and, and let's so spell it, it because some people, don't, yes. it's got a weird yes. spelling. It's, yes, it's Q-I, but it's really pronounced qi, and gong, G-O-N-G, or gong. Mm-hmm. And tai chi is spelled T apostrophe A-I, and then chi, C-H-I. And there, I think that Qigong was the originator and, and Tai Chi was the outgrowth. They're similar. Uh, and uh, I find that those are very calming. They can be very, very calming. And it also, when you do them, you're very present because you're trying to follow these moves. And that's also very, very good for your brain. And uh, they they have uh, beneficial effects, which could, could help you. So if a person is feeling jittery, that's one thing you could do. And there's also what's called sky breathing, which is from the art of living, which is also a wonderful technique. And what this is, is I believe is three different types of breathing uh, techniques. And you do them. And then when you're done, it's over about 15 minutes or so. And then when you're done, you're also in a different state, a calmer state. Mm-hmm. And then you could add your, if you want to add TM to that, or if you want to add my, uh, uh, but they have their own uh, meditation technique that also gives you a deeper meditation. I know it's a lot of time, and the people may not want to you know, spend all that time, but even if you just start by doing a little bit of meditation, by just following your, sitting comfortably, closing your eyes, maybe taking a half a minute just to sit there, and then just following the breath as it goes in through your nose and out through your nose or out through your mouth, and then before you know it, you're having thoughts about what you're going to have for dinner or what this person may have done for you, done to you. And then when you realize that you're having the thoughts, you then, even in mid-thought, very gently go back to your awareness on the breath, on that breathing. And set a timer. If you want to start and do one minute, do one minute. But I think it's a good idea to aim for about 20 minutes twice a day. And I know that's a big commitment. Uh, and I don't always get my meditations in twice a day. I rarely miss, but I don't always get them in. But it does make a difference for me when I meditate. I just, it just makes me, it kind of smooths things out a little bit. And if I'm having a tough day, and again, I'm, even though I'm a quote-unquote stress expert, if I could even call myself that, I'm always learning. And I'm not perfect. And I, you know, with yesterday's, what happened at the Capitol was very stressful for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was trying to use all my different mm-hmm. techniques, and I, I wasn't perfect Here, yesterday. <laughs> here's, here's what I did, you know, after watching, uh, you know, all this riotous stuff on uh, cable news, uh, I decided enough, and I, I, I watched a, a rerun of Animal House with John yeah. Belushi, and I just found, you know, those innocent antics, you know, which are, were depicted in supposedly the time of the movie was 1962, just... I don't know. It just kind of made it, it just made it better somehow. <laughs> you know, it was like, uh, you know, panty raids and, uh, toga parties. Uh, I don't know. It's just put it, put it in perspective for me. Uh, so we're talking about the breathing. Uh, there is actually something about breathing that can reset. You know, we, we, in part one, we talked about the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic nervous system. You can actually, uh, enact a switch on your nervous system 
just by breathing in a certain way. Isn't that correct? It's very important. Yes. Yes. And I say to our listeners out there that when in doubt, breathe. Just take a deep breath in through your nose and you can breathe out through your mouth long and slow and just kind of keep on doing that slowly so you don't hyperventilate. But that can interrupt the stress cycle. Just it mm-hmm. put you more in exactly what you're saying, Ron, is put you more into a parasympathetic and peaceful mode. And wise parents do that with their kids sometimes. You know, when their kids are about to be in a meltdown, it's like, hold on, just breathe for a minute. And, you know, <laughs> it, it's actually nice to impart this technique to children early. I, you know, I think one fault in our education is that, you know, we teach people a lot of skills, but we don't teach them the skill of self-regulation, which is a very, very important life skill. You know, you can be the smartest person in the world. You know, you can uh, do all kinds of uh, amazing intellectual feats. But if you if you don't have the ability to regulate your emotions, you're going to be a much less functional adult and productive uh uh, mature person. I know, and that's where DBT comes in. I feel that DBT should be taught in the schools. They should be, it should be taught like in elementary school up through high school, you know, because it teaches people about conflict resolution mm-hmm. and yeah. distress tolerance, all these things that we need help in, all of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, we, you talked about uh, these, uh, you know, Asian forms of exercise, uh, qigong, tai chi. But what about just general exercise as a stress buster? You know, I find that during the pandemic uh, lockdown, uh, it's very important for me to get outside, you know, even in the inclement weather uh, and either, you know, do a brisk walk or, you know, get on my bike and, uh, you know, go up and down the hills in New Jersey uh, or uh, Long Island or wherever I happen to be situated uh, or, or take a run. And, you know, I consciously, as I run, uh, you know, and I'm out of breath, I try to visualize that I'm exhaling fear because there's an element of of fear that I think we all carry around with us. Maybe, you know, a few rare exceptions, but most of us are carrying around a burden of fear. And as I run and, you know, I'm just trying to exhale all that bad emotional energy. And uh, it kind of works for me. I mean, that that to me is a form of meditation. Right, right. I think that's... Very, very helpful. And I think that uh, being in nature also, I mean, yeah. is, is incredibly helpful uh, when, if you combine both. Uh, when I was quarantined, I was quarantining um, in Connecticut, and I was very grateful to be out of the city, and I was surrounded by nature. Now, there were bears there, which kind of increased my <laughs> my sympathetic nervous system. That took the joy out of going for a walk. Yeah. Uh, but um, we're going hiking. That was, you know, the uh, a deal breaker after a while. But uh, but just being, going for a walk. And I heard somewhere that if you go for a walk, and ideally a walk before 9 o'clock, is very, very good for your, your mind and your body. And, and it may even, you know, kind of reset your circadian rhythm. Yeah. Uh, and again, I wouldn't, and it may help your sleep. Uh, and then I, I mean, don't stress if you can't get out before nine. I don't necessarily get out before nine in terms of trying to do this. Uh, but, but just even, and even in, in, if the sun's not out, it can do something, I believe, to your, you know, the, the circadian rhythm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's very helpful. Just being outside, and there's a term called biophilia, yeah. which is a term coined by, um, I'm blanking on his name. Um, not not Gould. Um, ah, 
I will get it. Anyway, uh, and and the, the term it means kind of uh, kind of being affected by the senses. You know, kind of um, how the, how the that the the uh, bio and philia love of of, of nature. It was uh, yeah, it's E. O. Wilson, Edward O. Wilson. Yep. termed it and that just like kind of we have a that that humans have a innate i'm quoting this here tendency to seek connections with nature and other forms of life and and that is really i think so beneficial for our physiology to be in nature if we're lucky if you can't be in nature maybe get a plant just having the plant <laughs> you know right. is 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 helpful you right. know and and uh sim- you know that kind of thing also having pets you know when you have pets or and social connections that increases oxytocin, the mm-hmm. bonding hormone, mm-hmm. which is really really helpful and healthful. Right, and these days I think we're all suffering from uh, oxytocin uh, deficiency because of yeah. uh, inability to uh, hug people, see people, you know, be with people. Uh, Zoom conferences oh. just don't release a lot of oxytocin. Um, so you're talking about circadian rhythms. Uh, and circadian rhythms key into the subject of sleep, and you have a whole section on sleep because sleep, I mean, it's kind of a two-way street. When you're anxious, you can't sleep, and when you're sleep-deprived, your anxiety soars. So how do you break that vicious cycle? Yeah, that's, you know, sleep is, is one of the toughest things that I still struggle with, but I'm definitely uh, getting much better. I mean, so with sleep, you have to find out why you're not sleeping. There could be many reasons why a person is not sleeping. It could have a structural meaning in your body. You know, do you have big tonsils or is your is your tongue in the way or do you have, are your adenoids in the way or do you have something going on with your nose? It could be something structural. Even obesity you have itself, with, yeah. Exactly, you know, obesity, which could increase the risk of sleep apnea. So you can have sleep apnea um, and or interrupted sleep, uh, not breathing well, uh, for many reasons. You can have what's called GERD, gastroesophageal reflux, which is uh, causing you to choke or cough at night, which is going to interrupt your sleep. Um, it could be a partner problem. Maybe your partner's snoring, uh, and that's keeping you up. So there are many reasons why people can't sleep. And the important thing is to go see your physician, I believe, and, and try and get that sorted out. And if you can, and then that person, that doctor may need to refer you to different people, including a sleep specialist, where you can get a sleep study and to see, and maybe get a diagnosis as to what's going on. Now, uh, in terms of, uh, basic I kind of like a like a pre-flight routine. I call it almost like you know, kind of a pre-bedtime routine. I think it's important to do a few things. One, it's important to be consistent, and um, I do struggle with this, but I'm getting better, as I mentioned. So it's important to have a set bedtime and a set waking time, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's it's also good not to go to bed after midnight because you know cortisol increases and the, the hormones like ghrelin and leptin can get affected and it can make you hungry and people can actually gain weight um when they're not when they're up past midnight you're also not making the best choices when you're up you get hungry and you may be eating sweets and high fat foods and processed foods so that could also contribute to gaining A weight more alcohol so too. having or alcohol exactly uh, and people think that alcohol helps, but it really doesn't. Uh, and so you have to have a, a set bedtime and a set a waking up time. And then there's like a, 
like a, a pre, like a wind down period that we're supposed to have. About an hour before bedtime, at least, we should turn off our screens, which is really difficult uh, because the blue light affects us and affects melatonin, and that makes the, it affects that whole cycle. So we can, by keeping the lights on uh, and the screens, I mean, really, it could affect you know the the whole melatonin thing, which helps people sleep hormone, very potent, very potent antioxidant as well. And so it's important to kind of calm down before sleep in that hour. Don't eat for at least three hours before you go to bed. That's also better for your brain. You also should do things that are calm. Maybe take a hot bath with magnesium because magnesium helps. So Epsom salts, right, mm-hmm. can help people calm down. Uh, and again, anything we're talking about today, people should speak with their physician because, uh, you know, I'm making some generalized recommendations, but they should really, before they take them on, they should speak with their doctors um, or health providers. So so calming down, reading before bed, and it's recommended not to read in bed. Apparently, you know, it's recommended that people just use the bed for sleep, associate the bed just with sleep and sexual activity, uh, because that way you kind of limit the bed to that, and where you might, so you don't associate with it being in a stressful place. So maybe reading a, a a, a, an easy general, not not like a stimulating book, reading a calm book, listening to some soothing music, maybe lighting some candles, just calming down, not watching the news. These are things to calm us down and get us in the parasympathetic mode and ready for bed. Indeed. Uh, and what are your favorite uh, supplements for stress? Uh, do you have any that you think uh, can actually uh, help with taming cortisol or... Uh, reducing uh, anxiety? Yeah, well, I like L-theanine, um, L-theanine, T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E. That's been shown, you know, to be be helpful to uh, calm people down. Uh, magnesium is another one that can be helpful. Uh, herbs like ashwagandha can also uh, be helpful with immunity and, and, and maybe help people calm down. Um, these are the basic you know, things that I think are, are helpful. Um, and also chamomile can help people uh, in terms of sleep. Um, and melatonin, um, you know, it's, it's gotten a little confusing now because now I've heard that we shouldn't prescribe so much melatonin. You know, there's um, different research now, I think. I'm not sure if you know, but um, I was speaking to a psychiatrist colleague of mine. She said, oh, I just give 1.5 milligrams at mm-hmm. night. Right. And, and then, That's all you know, I'm hearing... Yeah that people can, you know, six milligrams people have been taking and that kind of thing. So uh, that has to be sorted out. So, uh, and there's also a device, it's called the Fisher-Wallace device. I didn't put that in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a device where you have these two, like, sponges attached to, like, electrodes, I think they are, and mm-hmm. there's a band around you, mm-hmm. like a tennis band. Mm-hmm. And that's been shown to also help people sleep and also well, to help with mood. That's the, uh, there is a similar device that uh, is actually one of our sponsors, uh, Nuvana, uh, the Zen device that they make. That oh. It's actually uh, something that you, you put little uh, earphones in your ear and you can attach it to your uh, iPhone or your iPad and you know listen to your favorite uh, music. Um, and it uh, delivers a very low electrical pulse to the ear which is kind of the gateway, as you know, through studying acupuncture, uh, the gateway to the vagal nerve. And you get sort of a, a vagal nerve stimulation, VNS, uh, which helps the, to 
boosts the parasympathetic tone and it, it uh, increases relaxation. It's kind of like, uh, you know, high tech meditation, meditation, uh, you know, delivered via electric uh, impulses. So that that's similar to the Fisher device that you device. talk yeah. about. Yeah, I also. Yes, yes. I also talk about, with again, with CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, there's now an app. There's a, a kind of a thing, it's called CBTI, so cognitive behavioral therapy hyphen insomnia. Hmm. And the literature is saying now that CBTI is better than medita- medication with a C, medication. Wow. And that, yes, yeah, CBTI is actually a very good app. It's free. It was created with both Stanford University and the Veteran, Veterans Administration. It's called CBTI Coach. Hmm. Uh, and you can get this on the App Store, and I actually have it, and it can help you. There are other apps, I'm sure, but this is one that's free, and that it can help you with your sleep and track your sleep. They give you tools to listen to. They um, they use CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. So, for example, let's say you're you, you're up all night, and then you'd say, "Oh my God, I'm ruined. My day is ruined." Yep, they right. have a little, they, right? They have a little statement that you can read, which says, "It's okay. I can do this. I can. I will be. I, I will survive this day, and I could do better." And then they have other things to track your sleep, and you put in your hour when you went when you went to bed, when you wake up, if you woke up during the middle of the night. It's really really good, and if people follow this. It can be incredibly helpful. I'll put a link into uh, that in our description of the podcast. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about what uh, you have to offer because uh, you've got a health and well-being newsletter as well as the new book, Don't Mess With Stress. Uh, tell us how our listeners can access that. Sure. So my website is www.dr, as in Dr. Jill, J-I-L-L, B-A-R-O-N dot com. So it's www.drjillbaron.com. If you go to the site, there's a place there where you can sign up to get a free gift, some stress management techniques, and you can subscribe to my newsletter, which I send out about once a month at this time, and you can have access to, uh, to that newsletter. And, uh, it's, I have, I have prior newsletters on my blog where they can uh, get information about different topics that I've talked about. And you can also become a patient of Dr. Jill Barron. She practices in Manhattan. But do you also do uh, virtual consults these days? Because people... I am doing them, yes. I am doing I am doing some virtual consults, yes. Yes, it's always better to examine someone because there are limitations. Mm-hmm. But yep. for people who can't make it in, um, at least, you know, the first visit, uh, I, I can do virtually, yes. Yes, I also have some videos on my site of uh, some talks I've given. And uh yes. Good stuff. Well, thanks for uh, boiling it down for us. I mean, it's very timely. Don't mess with stress. A simple guide to managing stress by today's guest, Dr. Jill Barron. Her website, uh, drjillbarron.com, correct? Yes, that's correct. One R in Barron, yes. And Dr. Hoffman, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. And it's been a, a great experience with you. Thank you so much and hope we've helped some people. Well, thank you so much. Uh, great conversation, and we're certainly kindred spirits on these subjects. Yes. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary 
at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements I prescribe to my patients and take myself. My specially curated professional grade supplements are fulfilled via the Fullscript network. Fullscript is the safest and most convenient way to purchase my medical grade supplements. Buying through Fullscript offers fast shipping, optional refill reminders, a mobile friendly site. It's safe, secure, and HIPAA compliant and offers world class support. Just go to drhoffmanstore.com to sign up for your free Fullscript account. That's drhoffmanstore.com. drhoffmanstore.com.